Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Skin Institute. Coming up, Shorty Clark. The day after the race at the airport, waiting to fly home, and the, the tears just out of me while I was in a queue and I, I don't know what everybody thought but that was just the emotion the rawness and just the satirity of, of the win you know you, you bust your ass for 25 years <laughs> and finally you know you're on top of Everest you're sitting yeah, there yeah. you know you've done it you've actually and said famous words I knocked the, the bastard, bastard off. off chances are you don't know the name but Shorty Clark is the world's best triathlete in the 70 to 74 year old category. The proud New Plymouthian, New Plymouthian? Taranakian? The proud Taranaki local became a world champion in Abu Dhabi in late 2022 at the age of 71. Nine months later, in this podcast, he still gets emotional talking about that moment, which is really cool. Triathlon is a sport he only took up in his late 40s, and back then he couldn't even swim, so it's been a hell of a journey. I genuinely thought Shorty's story would be a good one to share for a few reasons. The main one being what you and I can get out of it. It's a good boot up the ass and a reminder that with hard work, persistence and some good old fashioned self-discipline, even things that might seem impossible can become possible. So I really hope you enjoy Shorty's company and story as much as what I did. Thanks very much to Skin Institute, the sponsors of this episode. Without them, this episode simply would not be possible. So please support the people who support the podcast, skininstitute.co.nz. Or you can phone them 0800 754 637. That's 0800 754 637. That spells 0800 Skin Doctor DR. So how can Skin Institute help you? Well, 6,000 Kiwis are diagnosed with melanoma every year and 300 of us will die from it. Skin Institute are the skin cancer experts. Go and see them for a full body skin check. I did it a few weeks ago myself and I highly recommend it. I regret not doing it sooner. All right, let's get into the episode World champion, Shorty Clark, on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast pace, slow and steady, any way you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and Shorty Clark. G'day, mate. G'day there, Dom. First of all, Shorty, not, can't be your real name. That's not the name you were given at birth. But I've, I was doing research online. Every article I found about you, every interview... Every shred of evidence refers to you as Shorty. Yeah, that's correct, mate. It's um, it's one of my little quirky things that that uh, name uh, just sticks with me. And uh, the real name will find out the day they uh, lower me six foot down <laughs> or six foot up. Is it a family nickname? A nickname from your parents or your your brothers and sisters or what? Uh, it came from the early school days. I was the runt of the of the litter of the family as as kids and a bit premature, eager to get into the world, and consequently as a super lightweight and just a little wee a little wee bloke. What about your wife? Like, what does she call you? Yeah, she calls me Shorty. That's really? Sure. Oh, that's all part of the deal. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you're getting my first name. Right. What about What about say you're in the the doctor's waiting room and they call your name out? Yeah, that's the one. I'm just knowing the doctor's been there for donkey's years. They know me. Everybody knows me as Shorty, and it's a common um, common name around town. Even with the reporters and everything, they still don't know my name. And I played rugby with one of my good mates for over 20 years, and he still knows me as Shorty. All my photographs come out with S. Clark, um, and that's it's it. Oh, I love it. I love it. It suits. Um, we've got you on the podcast because you last year at the age of 71. Um, a time in life where I think most people are like putting on the slippers and winding down. Uh, you became a world champion. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was uh, against all odds. I um, turned the clock around and decided uh, once I got to about 50, we need to start counting my age back 49, 48, 47 instead of going 51, 52. So um, like a good wine, I've uh, finally matured. 
Yeah, how good. So this was um this was the uh, the World Triathlon Champs? Yeah, the World Age Group Triathlon Champs held every year. The best of the world turn up. You've got to qualify through your own national federation so that um, it's a competitive field on the day and not just your weekend warriors rolling in. So she's uh, fairly rugged, but at this sort of age, you get used to seeing the similar competitors, uh, good mates from the States, uh, Poms, uh, Europeans, Frenchmen, and we're out there battering heads uh, quite regularly. So you're in the age, you're in the group seventy to seventy five. Yeah, correct, mate. Seventy yeah. seventy four because at seventy five we click over and away we go again, hammer and tongs, mm. and some of us will drop off the perch, but I intend <laughs> to be on that perch for quite a while. How many? Like, is it a, is it a competitive demographic or? A, or does it get smaller and smaller? It does get smaller as the years. And when I started uh, first representing New Zealand in 98 as a young 47-year-old, I think it was, there was roughly 80 in the field. Now we're down at my group. You're getting around the 40 mark, 40, mm. 45 is, is a good field at this age group. And it slowly gets lower, naturally through attrition. Yeah, and for sure. People parking up, looking for the slippers. Yeah, when you get to like eighty-five to eighty-five to eighty-nine, surely like it's a podium finish just by turning up. <laughs> yes, that's quite. That's a classic joke. It is. You just have to. Oh, you, you just have to. You don't really have to do a lot there, mate. You can yeah. sort of. Yeah, it'll suit you, Dom, when you're eighty-five. Oh, how good! I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, so, so what was that like? Because you don't, um, due to the nature of these races, you don't realise that you've won. Immediately, do you? Because everyone of the same age starts at the same time, so it's not until you, so you finish the race, and it's not until a short time later that you find out that you're the world champion. Yeah, you've virtually got to go to somebody in the crowd or your friends who are watching online, and they will tell you immediately. Uh, my family, my wife, my kids actually watched the race online with uh, stats coming off the timing mats. They knew in advance uh, of what I'd won, and when I did, when I had no idea that I'd actually won. I had mm. to go around looking, asking for someone, could you look the results for me? Because I don't know where I come. Yeah, because if you look at the results, um, you know, between you, you and the guy that finished in second place, your swim is very similar, the bike ride's very similar, and then you smoked him on the run. Yeah, it was. Um, I'd, I'd learnt to be uh, to race smart over the years now instead of the other way around, hammering the swim and bike and then uh, walking the run. Um, you've got to you know have a few brains. So the petrol tank uh, has to be mm. somewhere near pretty good when you're going into the run. And it was a bit of my forte, and running always has been. So uh, I back myself on the day. Yeah. So so what are the uh, what are the disciplines? So you start with a swim, which is how far? A uh, swim was fifteen hundred meters. Okay. It's followed up by a uh, a bike of 40 kilometres, and then it's a 10-kilometre run. So it's sort of like Olympic distance. Yes, it's your standard yeah. Olympic distance. I also really enjoy doing the sprint distance, which is half of that, and um, I feel I'm slightly stronger as a sprinter. Uh, as I'm getting older, I'm getting – I shouldn't sounds, say sounds faster. Like, sounds better. like you're being a bit lazy. You just want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so and uh, so, so you've, you find out that you've, you've won. So there you are yeah. in Abu Dhabi, 71 years old. What happens? Do you do you like burst into tears? Like, you know, how's your emotional state at that point? Yeah, oh, a huge emotional state. Yeah, I even well up now thinking about it. Do you actually? Yeah, yeah, because um, the bloke that got me there was I. I maintain New Zealand's greatest triathlon coach, the late Jake. Great Jack Ralston, who had Hamish Carter for 11 years, uh, Bevan Doherty, Nathan Richmond, the line goes, the names go on and on, and he's the one that instilled the faith in me to be a world champion. And I, uh, his legacy when he passed away um, a few years back uh, was that um, I go to the podium and it's gold. Uh, we don't, we're not settling for a silver or bronze. You go to the podium, you go for gold. Mm. And that drove me and drove me. Yes, that must have felt like in a way, I don't know if you're spiritual or not, but it must have felt like he was like watching over you that yeah. day. Yeah. It's weird. It's very strange. I thought of Jack quite a bit. Uh, I, I, just during the race, the race was phenomenal. It was a race I've never had the reaction and the body reaction I had on, on the day and during the racing. So I maintain a, it's like a, uh, a cyclone. I was... if. And Jack has said, if you can get inside the cyclone or the hurricane in the eye, no one will touch you because you'll race clean. Everyone else is the hurricane or the cyclone battling. And that day I was in the eye of that cyclone. What is it? So like what they call a flow state? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, It's uncanny. It's scary. It's weird. It's 
unsurreal. You, you you don't know whether to trust yourself or, or slap yourself on the face. Or, 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 don't don't yeah, slap yourself on the face. <laughs> you know, or, or snap out of it and then go yeah. silly and do and do silly tactics. Yeah. Um, just stay and trust and believe, mm. you know. And that's the day that um, the trust and belief all came as one. And as a, if you're a golfer, every hole was like a, a, a hole in one. Mm. You just kept putting away and putting away. It was just great. Just everything goes to plan. Yeah, it was to plan. It was very hard to do. And um, on, on the day, you know, you've got 30-odd athletes all got, trying to go to plan, and you only have one. So mm. it was a case of just having the best of plan. And it's really nice to sit here with you today. And so this was like nine months ago, eight months ago? Yeah, November 22. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's nice to see you get emotional about this, this now yeah. because it just yeah. shows, I think, for starters, how much it means to you. <laughs> but also... Like as a man that was born in New Zealand in the early 1950s, it's, yeah. you know, a generation yeah. where you weren't supposed to show any sort of yeah. weakness or vulnerability, the fact that you're able to sit here with me and, yeah. you know, tear up, you know, talking about this and just what it means to you, I think that's really special. Yeah, yeah it is. You know, I'm, uh, emotionally wise, I um, usually hold things in pretty tight, but um, I remember the interview I had with our Tri-NZ manager um, the day after the race at the airport waiting to fly home, and uh, the tears just poured out of me while I was in a queue and I, I don't know what everybody thought but that was just the emotion the rawness and just the sincerity of, of the win you know you, you bust your ass for 25 years <laughs> and finally you know you're on top of Everest you're sitting yeah, there yeah. you know you've done it you've actually and said famous words I knocked the, the bastard, bastard off. off yeah 100% you did and in your 70s as well it's like it's it's <laughs> There's so much that's good about this. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know flipping the bird to aging. It's it's just incredible. It's yeah. really good. Um, and I I heard um so you're not wearing your wristband now. Um, yeah. but the the wristband that you had um that said you're a competitor. Yeah. You kept that on for ages, right? Yeah, I kept that on for a, a well yeah. on a fortnight. A I, disgusting I just, length of time. Yeah, disgusting <laughs> length of time. I said I wouldn't wash for a week. <laughs> There's no way, and I wasn't going to ever take that uniform off. Or I was going to bed for for a few nights with that uniform on because it was just. Did you actually? Yeah, it was just so good, you know. And I beat the odds, you know. I beat I, I beat people around that says, "Oh, you're just, you know, you're a dreamer." You know, you're not. Who said that? Yeah, I had unfortunately a couple of mates, good mates, rugby mates, said, "Come on, shorty, give me a few pies and a few beers, mate. Get back to the real world." Because I'm staunch on my nutrition. I'm very, very staunch, and I'm a hundred percent down the line. And my grandmother always said, "If you're going to do the job, do it properly, mm. or don't do it at all." Yeah. So I took the nutrition side on and the training side on, and got very reclusive and very hard on um, on on my family at times too of what I'd eat and how I'd do but well the proof is there you know these um these mates that are trying to drag you down do you think it's a sort of do you know the theory about like crabs in a bucket yeah Yeah, the crabs in a bucket and when one gets close to getting their way out the others like bring them back down yeah is it sort of that in a way do you think yeah just in a a, a light sort of a way because I was never predicted or never thought to be a world champion or let alone a New Zealand champion and, and, I, and I rocked the boat pretty severely you know and then started to rock it even bigger when I got on the world scene and mm. and I had a few you know good races leading into that over the years but never sort of cracked into the real stuff yeah. you know the real podium stuff the real we we were a threat you know um, yeah the pointy end of the field yeah, yeah the yeah. pointy end of the field and you, you know you're, you're a Nadal or you're a Schumacher or you're a Tiger Woods you know I'm always somewhere down the field mm. Close boy, but just, you know, forever the long, long bridesmaid. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so th- this was in um, Abu Dhabi, which um, climate-wise, it's quite different to the Naki where you're from. Yeah. How, how do you how do you train or prepare for the heat? Uh, that, that that was uh, the key to my success. So I knew I was going to Abu Dhabi two years out. I trained two years out from it, specifically for it, and, and my programs were good, and I had a, my own heat room where I trained severely both run and bike. What's that, just like a room in your house with some heaters? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just, just a small room with, with a heater in, sitting on 35 and did some punishing indoor bike sessions, most of them there. And run sessions, um, I could use a treadmill. I went outside, but really I had, um, I looked like a Teletubby. I had the thermals on and the beanies <laughs> and the gloves and the jackets, and I looked like a big uh, overgrown McDonald's wandering down the road. But that was to get heat acclimatised. Right. And on the day. But you must have looked like an idiot training with all that gear on. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but I tell you what, a world winning. Yeah, yeah, world winning yeah, effort. Yeah. And, and I found on the day where the rest of the field were fading in that 
you know, 30 plus heat, 32, 33 heat. I just lapped it up. In fact, we started at 10 in the morning and, and 28 degrees, and I was a little bit cold, for want of a word, because mm. I'd condition myself to be, hey, I want to be around 32 all day. I don't want to be just 28. And I got off the bike and not much of a sweat. So at, at your age, where do you think like, the, the drive comes from? I mean, uh, there's, there's one thing, like keeping physically active in, yeah. your, in your 70s, and yeah. um, there, there's another thing to still have that, I don't know, that sort of competitive spirit that wants you to get out of bed and yeah. t- turn a heater on in a room and shut yeah. the door and sweat it out. Like, where does that next level drive come from, do you think? I think from my early days of, of just being an also-ran and never getting anywhere and the back of the pack man and just, you know, a bit of oh, in lotto, gee, I only get three lines, I wouldn't mind getting four or five lines, so let's start doing some work. And, and that's, that's what drive and drove me on a lot was the fact that I was, I was a nobody. You know, and I just wanted to be something and somebody and just maybe win something or maybe just get ahead of the pack. And if you get a sniff of victory, you know, you want to keep winning. And I'm sure when the All Blacks go on the field each day, you know, they look at nothing short of winning. Yeah. And I got that mentality now. When even in my local races, I, I find it hard to come back down and just be an ordinary bloke. Like just the drive is just so strong that I want to win and I want to do well. Do you, do you think? You, I mean, you use the word nobody, which I think a, it's a little bit. It's a little bit. You know, it's a it's a very negative sounding word. Yeah. It's, you're being unkind to yourself. But do you, do you think? Um, I don't know. Do you, do you think? You, yeah. Why do you think it happened so late in life? Was it was it triathlon the thing that you found that you were just naturally sort of good at or drawn to or what? Yeah, it was. I think um, triathlon changed my whole life. If it hadn't been for a, a drunk bet one night in the pub with my boss, who was a good triathlete, I would have never, ever done triathlons. The fact was I took up a bet and, um, you know, I was way down the field. And, in fact, a few of the races, one of them clearly I remember at home, the committee had packed up the finish line and packed up everything. Mm. They'd forgotten about me still out on the field. <laughs> I said, let's um... – <laughs> actually, no, no. Yeah. But... Yeah, they've forgotten about me. There's still one to come. Was he not a like tail end Charlie or something? Yeah. No, <laughs> I was past that. He was still in front of me. Okay, so uh, take us back to that conversation then, that that drunken conversation in the pub. So you're how old at this time? I uh, just a youngster at uh, just on forty, forty one. Okay, okay, so middle middle age, just yeah, middle a, age, approaching yeah. middle age. Yeah. So were you um, were you physically fit at that time? Or? Yeah, yeah, I played a lot of social yeah. rugby, uh, social cricket, indoor cricket. Um, Yachting, you know, social yachting again. Um, just one man yachting, so I had to still do the work. I wasn't sitting in a boat having a quiet rum in the, uh, down in the cockpit. <laughs> I, I did have to do the work. Mm. Um, oh, you can get that. Phone's ringing. Phone's... What's the ringtone? Oh, Jake. You can get oh, that. Shit. Yeah, I have to. Okay. Who's Jake? Acupuncturist. Hi, Hi Jake. <laughs> Shorty here. Oh, hey, Shorty. How are you? Hey, I'm in Hamilton, mate. I'm... Oh, you're in Oh, okay. I'm at a meeting, but you, but you but if you quickly tell me what you want, I'll, I'll answer yes or no. Oh, uh, I'm not. I mean, so you when are you coming back? Um, I'm coming back. Well, when do you want me? Do you want me today? <laughs> no, no, I have a better slot tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Good. It's Eleven o'clock. Eleven o'clock, Jake. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Positive, Jake. Positive. Oh, okay, because um, you're coming back to, uh, from Hamilton tonight or tomorrow morning? Uh, no, I'm going to come back tonight now, Jake. You're on to it. Oh, okay. Okay. Then, uh, okay, if you're surely coming, then I'm going to save you 11 o'clock tomorrow. Slow. You okay. save me 11 o'clock tomorrow and get the biggest needle you can find, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put a special needle for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I don't know what that means. Awesome, Jake. Yeah. Okay, Jake. Bye. Oh, that's hilarious. So, yeah, so you're, you're from Taranaki, where um, we met um, sort of halfway. We're in Hamilton recording this podcast today. So are you just kind of fluid? Like um, you were planning on staying the night in Hamilton with your wife. Now you're just going to go back so you can get some treatment. Yeah, yeah I've thrown a, a, a lower disc out, which is um, an old, old injury from many moons back. And, um, yeah, so he's just going to give me uh, some acupuncture session. Very hard to get into uh, to see him. It takes two to three weeks, but because of uh, who I am and how I train, he manages to jump me up the queue a little bit, so I really can't say no. Yeah, oh, that's so good. Okay, so before um, we were interrupted with that phone call, so we're talking about um, – that bet that you had when you were 41 and you're mm. in a bar. 
So who's that? So you, you're um, you're not a complete slouch. Like you, you like your your junk food and you like your beers, um, but you also keep physically fit. It seems like you're a work hard, play hard kind of guy. Who who is it that has the bet with you about a triathlon? Uh, it was my boss at the time, who, who was a good triathlete and a duathlete, New Zealand representative in his day, uh, and he introduced me to the sports, and I've still good mates and good friends with him, um, and uh, that's how it all started. So what's the bet? So a lot of times you have drunken bets with people and then you never follow through. It was just over a simple jug of beer. Okay. I'll shout the first jug next round, you know, um, if, if, I, if, I can't, if I can't finish it. And so what was that event? It was a short little 300-metre uh, sw- uh, swim, which it, in fact I couldn't swim freestyle enough to do 300. I had to do 300 backstroke, which was a bit hard going out to the boy because I didn't know where the boy was. So I'd have to roll over <laughs> to look for it. Yeah. And then coming back, I just knew, well, i just got to do the same coming back. So, um, and then just a short 15K bike and a 3K run. So that was a, a real taster. Yeah, and you enjoyed it. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. And uh, even though I was well down the track, I thought, this is not too bad. You know, I could, um, you know, I'd borrowed the bike and borrowed the gear and borrowed stuff and thought um, shortly after that to go to adult learn to swim classes uh, because I could swim to save myself but not swim to race. Yeah, so what was yeah, yeah, so you said you did backstroke in that yeah, race. Yeah. Could you could you do freestyle at all or no? You just yeah. didn't know how to swim? Not really. I could do – being a yachty, I could do freestyle around the boat and jump back in and, you know, yeah. 100 metres to save yourself. But when you're racing, you can't – you know, you need to have water confidence. Uh, the confidence was there, but I just didn't have distance and didn't know. So I joined an um, adult learn-to-swim class um, and got coached there and went through um, – at one stage I was – Coached by the mighty Duncan Lang. Oh, yeah, Daniel Loder's old coach. Yes, who yeah. Duncan was uh, our neighbour way back in New Plymouth when we uh, were here in 59 in New Plymouth when we first come here. So I know Duncan from years ago. Mm. And he saw me one day down the local pool in New Plymouth when he was up from Dunedin and told me, oh, you need to come to Dunedin and I'll put you in the flume and we'll sort you out and you'll become a swimmer. Because mm. yeah. there's, there's, there's a saying, which is absolute bullshit, but, you know, there's that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um but I, I, I think you can at any age, but the, the old dog needs to want to learn the new tricks. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. And it, if, he's, if the old dog doesn't want to learn them, as you've said, mm. then you're in trouble. Uh, and mm. that's a good operative word. You've got to learn. And I'm still learning at the moment. I still you know, go to some high-tech um, swim coaching technical stuff, underwater work. Um, I love the technical side of the sport. Um, I'm really into bike wattage run style, run efficiency, um, and that's what's made a big difference. I've actually taken time out to step aside from just being a brute strength man to being a smart, fluent, you know, in the swim bike run. And that's that's a difference. Yeah, I suppose as you get older, you just need to like race race smarter, right? And look for yeah. those little incremental gains, all yeah. those little one percenters. Yeah, and that's what I found in Abu yeah. Dubai when when the blokes I thought was actually third off the bike uh, when I come to pass the second and first, I saw how poorly they were running, and I thought, I've got you, jokers. You know, I'll just keep passing. So mm. yeah, it's uh, proof is in the pudding. Yeah, um, and it hasn't all been smooth sailing, eh? You were you were bedridden for three weeks in 2021. So you you had the win yeah. in Abu Dhabi, the yeah. World Championship win, uh, November 2022. So the yeah. year before that, you had like um, a back thing. Yeah, a very oh. very serious lower back um, injury, which I uh, struggled to get over, and um, it did. It laid me in bed for three weeks. I just couldn't move. I was. Yeah, a cripple. Uh, long story short is I ended up getting some treatment in Auckland, uh, which uh, didn't work, and that was a gamble. So I went back home and I had some further treatment via a cortisone, and uh, basically within a few days I came right and enough to slowly get back into the swim bike run. So mm. yeah, that was a it was a worrying worrying time. Was that injury? Yeah. How how was your um, mental state during that time? Yeah, pretty like, poor. I got to admit, yeah. you know, that's that's what drags you down because you you know I'd planned two years for the, for RB Dubai. So in 2020, I put the wheels in motion. This is what I want to do. Two years down the track, is I'm going to train and my program, my coaching, my nutrition, and everything. So yeah, it took a little bit of resilience, but um, I had an unbelievable wife from behind me. Um, it stuck with me. Mm. Yeah. I don't think many would. I'm a hard taskmaster. Are you getting uh, emotional thinking about? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Family means a lot. Mm. You don't. You don't get anywhere on your own. And I found um, family really 
you know, especially my wife, really, really stuck with you. And in Nabi Dubai, you know, she couldn't, she didn't come over with us. So um, a lot of times, a lot of phone calls, and she really got inside my head in that last 24 hours, and that just was the cream, you know, that was the topping on the cake. What, what do you mean inside your head? Um, she knows what actually gets me there. Take out the stress, take out the worry, take out the other people. Just focus on yourself, focus on the plan, focus on what you have to do. Um, as an athlete, we all tend to look at the opposition and worry about them a little bit and concern you about mm. Since we know each other, there with strengths and think, oh, I have this, that, and the next. Yeah. She says, now block that all out, you know. And one o'clock on race morning, she's on the phone to me because uh, I was up, and she said, "This is what you need to do. Remember today, you're only a few hours away from doing it." Oh, how good! Yeah, how good! How good to have that buy-in and that support. Yeah, it's really cool. Is she active? Yes, she is. She likes it. She does a lot of walking. She does um, a little bit of half marathon work as mm-hmm. well. Um, she likes to stay fit and active. She doesn't partake in sports and that. But she likes the good side of life too, of having a nice wine now and then. Um, Nutrition-wise, she's actually turned herself right around and is eating you know, nearly as nutty as me. But I'm pretty crazy. <laughs> so I don't think many people will last seven days with me, mate. Yeah. Um how long have you guys been married? We've been married uh, 31 years. Right, right. So you, I, so, so you met her sort of just before or just about the same time as you started doing triathlons? Yeah, yeah, just about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was. So I met her just beforehand. Um, in between innings, I met her. So, yeah. It was, what do you mean in between innings? Oh, I've actually oh, had, you had a previous. I've had a previous wife. Oh, what, Shorty, what happened there? What happened there? Well, I'd say I was, I was a bad guy, most definitely. She was a brilliant wife, but I thought I was still a clown at 17 yeah. years old and 18 with the boys and pies and beers and fun and parties. But in truth, you know, you're 35. Um, it's got to stop and I didn't see the shotgun pointed at me and I, so I got both barrels and I commended her on that and she's still very much part of our family, extremely close to our family. Oh, cause did you guys have children together? Yeah, we were lucky. We had four uh, great kids together, twin girls in the middle of there with a boy, then the twin girls mm-hmm. and another boy and they're all sporty and well and now with Hayes, my second wife, we've got three boys and the whole seven of the kids get on like a house on fire, as does my former wife and my, my, my current one, you know, we, they're very much family, the birthdays are all together, Christmases are all together, and when I mean family, I mean my whole family, my extended, my own siblings, you know, my own cousins, my own nephews, everybody is just interlocked, so I'm... It's a bit freaky, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't hear many good stories like that. Mm. Well, it's nice that you can um, sit here and you know be be thankful for the relationship that you currently have, but also thankful for you know your previous relationship yeah. and the lessons you got from that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it forced you to grow up a bit when you. Oh, definitely, you and that's the hardest thing. I've I stuffed it up completely, you know, and I put up my hand, and I always will do, you know. That um, were you unfaithful? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. and and that and that and it was in, in that day. It didn't matter, you know. You have social rugby stuff, of course, and yeah, <laughs> your days at the races, of course, and, yeah. and and other sports venues and trips away and that. You know, it was just um, yeah. What goes on to us stays on to <laughs> yeah, that's the mentality. To, yeah, that's the mentality, and what happens on the bus stays on the bus. You know, so yeah. um, you know, it's time for a wake up call, and it probably was the best thing that happened to me. Did it, did it take you long to forgive yourself after that? It's no. never, never nice when you when you when you you love someone and you've let them down. Yeah, you never forgive yourself, Tom. Yeah, you don't even. Today, I don't forget, forgive myself. That's just a cop-out, you know. Mm. I, I put my hand up, I stuffed up, and you stuff up till mm. the end. Yeah. It, it can't change. That's history, and I don't want to change it, but I just want to acknowledge it. And learn from it. And learn from yeah. it, you know, and that's what made me grow stronger and better. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's never nice when you're in the, in the middle of a failure, eh? Because it, it fucking sucks, yeah. but, but you can learn so much from it. Like, yeah. that's where the most growth takes place, I think. Yeah, and, and a lot of men, I think, run away from it. Yeah. I went the other one. I, I, I took up both barrels, and, you know, it's good. Just keep firing the bullets at me, and that's why I say currently to Hayes now, you know, if there's something wrong, don't bottle it up, you know. Load up the gun, cock it, and say, this is it, you know, remember? Yeah, yeah. And boy, that, that brings you into reality. Yeah. And I love reality checks. I'm, I'm a realist in reality, and I don't like bullshit. You know, I like yeah. it straight up. And, I, and perhaps it's a bad trait of me with a lot of things and the way I brought the kids up. I brought them up hard, old-fashioned, respect. You know, not the modern-day world. I'm not in the modern-day world. 
Our problems would be solved if we could bring our kids up like we used to. <laughs> a boot in the ass, never hurt anybody. You know, never hurt a person. We'd have a better world, but we're not allowed to boot our kids in the ass anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I was I was raised in a uh, like a, a Catholic household, and we, we, yeah, we were we were whacked all the time, and it was um, yeah, it's it's funny looking back though, because I, I mean I I, I I hated it at the time. It was it was terrible, and we'd we'd cock up during the day, and Mum would be like, "Wait until your father gets home," and then hours later we'd be uh, over the bed getting the belt for something that we. And it was so long ago we couldn't remember what it was. Dad used to say, "This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you," and I'm like, "No, it isn't." <laughs> Um, but I, I look back on reflection now, and I'm sure there's better ways of parenting. But I, yeah. I feel like I probably need, I needed that in a way. I yeah. don't know. I know. No. I think a lot of kids do. They need a like a parental boot camp occasionally. Mm. You know, yeah. instead of blaming, oh, my mum and dad, or I was brought up in a different environment. It's up to each of us to step outside that square. You know, to, to make the to make an effort to change instead mm. of blaming our parents. Yeah. You know, we're responsible for ourselves. Okay, is there some blame for it? But you don't take that through to your life and to your generation yeah throw it away yeah i mean it's um yeah like it's it's easy to look back at um with you know a certain amount of resentment at the way your parents raised you or something yeah. that they did but then as you get older yourself you realize that they were doing the best they could with the information they had at the time yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's interesting isn't it it is even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so... Um Okay, so what does an average training week look like? Uh, for me, I, I train six days a week. Yeah. You know, and I have one day, it can be any day off, and I usually swim, bike, or bike run, or swim, bike, run. I try to get in one swim, bike, run a week, and I quite often do just about always two sports. So it might be a swim and a run, or it be a bike and run. Most of my biking has a run after it because it's triathlon, and I'm of the mental attitude that, hey, let your body know what's happening. It's no mm. good just cycling, cycling separately to running because on race day, you've got to combine the three. So yeah. I'm a great one for horses for courses. You know, do what you do on race day. You swim, bike, run. Just pop one in, short ones. You know, you don't have to do long ones. So we're we talking like a couple of hours training most days? What yeah, is- most days are two and a half to yeah. three. And sure. I dedicate two days a week, and I think this is the biggest strength and change in my triathlon career, was um, I have an excellent physio and uh, massage therapist back in New Plymouth. Um, and who, an acupuncturist who we just heard. Before. Yes, yeah, <laughs> who says um, devote two days a week to the gym and to a strength training program. And this is what's got me through. Um, a classic was in 2017. I had to have a total knee re- reconstruction, was booked into it. My new physio got hold of me and said, stop that knee re- reconstruction. We can rebuild you without it. And here I am, after going to another specialist in 2017 in Auckland who said I needed it, um, he calls me a freak because I shouldn't be able to even run yeah. what I've got. But the type of programs I have, um, I've been able to rehab well. So I'm really much... Very much into my gym work. That's not pushing weights. That's just doing dedicated, specific gym work on the whole body, not just part of the body. Yeah, right. Was it, what was the knee thing? I'm interested in this because um, the last year has been one of the most um, challenging of my adult life because I've got osteoarthritis. Yeah. Um, and I, I had a physio that told me uh, I, if it hurts when I run, I just shouldn't run. So I fired her and got another one. <laughs> and my, my partner, she was like, you can't just keep 
like firing them if they don't say what you want. And I'm like, yeah. the fuck, I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm, I'm back running again. I'm like 70%, I reckon. Yeah. There's still a little bit of discomfort there. But yeah, what was it for you with the knee? Yeah, it was me. The knee was, um, I'd had uh, previous rugby injury, uh, torn cartilage, medial ligament damage, and a bit of osteoarthritis creeping in. Over the years, it got worse. And ACC had said, no, it was from an earlier injury, which is correct. The operation should have done this, this, and this. It didn't. So um, saw three lots of specialists. All the MRIs said you need a total knee reconstruction. Booked me in. Um, changed it to a, a new physio who's, um, I believe, I always call him out of this world. He's from another planet. Um, the programs he gives me, the types of equipment we use, you don't see in normal gyms. Mm. Yeah, just so different. And I've stuck with that since day one, and I still do these same exercises and I'm still running very, very competitively, as you know, on the world scene. Yeah, that is so good. Yeah, um, yeah so you've had back issues, you've had knee issues. What about bike crashes? No one no one yeah. does that, that many Ks on a bike yeah, without yeah. falling off and snapping a collarbone or something. Yeah, I've got a few tattoos on the body from bike crashes. Um, <laughs> does the recovery, have you? is it noticeably longer to recover when it happens now? Yeah, it is. Well, I've got yeah. smart now. I probably do over 90% of my riding indoors. That's even in the summer. Yeah. I don't hardly. I just go out a little bit on the road previous to races and things like that. And I've also had a partial hip replacement. I got told um, I've got a completely shot hip. I need a complete hip. I refused to believe that. I didn't want to stop triathlon. Surfed around and we found out that there is a type of operation where you don't have to have a full hip. Mm. End of story, had a partial hip called the Birmingham hip, named after Birmingham City in England. There's one surgeon, New Zealand does it, went to him in 2014, 15, and got a replacement. Here I am on the world scene after being told by numerous specialists your triathlon career is finished. So believe me, one and all, when, when um, the normal doctor or run-of-the-mill, should I say, specialist says you need a replacement knee or hip, look around and do some homework because I'm living proof that I've completely shot that to shit and turned around and competed at the highest level with success. Yeah, I think when they say things like that, it does come from um, a good place and a, a place where they're giving you the best information they've got with the information they've got. But I think sometimes they underestimate the individual will or drive. Yeah, I think just how important it is to you and how determined you are to get back. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it is. And I nutritionally changed what I ate, which is a huge influence. Did you? In what way? What did you? Uh, I I decided to go gluten free. advised by nutritionists to go gluten-free and your inflammation problems will stop. I then ramped it up further than that and went sugar-free, which is very hard in today's world. I then took another... Oh, uh, you're a savage. Yes, (laughs) yeah, I'm brutal. And then um, I took it one more step from that and thought I'll go... I'll go past that. I'll cut out processed food. Very hard to live in today's world without processed food. So, so what are you eating on an average day? What does an average day look like? Well, it's I only very eat, Spartan, isn't it? It's very Spartan, very harsh. Eat twice a day. Eat at one one thirty every day, irrespective of training, rest, recovery, sleep, injured, whatever. So you train in the morning on an empty stomach? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I have my usual protein and smoothie shake afterwards. Radix Nutrition. Radix You're Nutrition. You're a massive fan, right? Oh, a massive fan. That that got me. That lifted me another cog. I just found that the nutrition there was just so clean, so pure. had had the strength, and my recovery was so much better, so much quicker. I wasn't as tired the next few days. It, the fatigue that sets in after a lot of weeks of training just wasn't as bad. Mm. So I really, that really just lifted me out of a bit of a quagmire with, you know, the old, oh, I've got to get out of bed and do another session and it's not good, so you do another one, another one, and the old mentality where you go backwards. But no, Radix Nutrition uh, was one of the biggest pluses that I've had on top of my nutrition, overall nutrition. Yeah, so we, we met halfway, so we're recording uh, this podcast today in the Radix Nutrition HQ. They sponsor my podcast as well. I've been a fan of them for such a long time. How did your association start with Radix? Just by pure, pure fluke on, on, the, on the web, just looking around, thinking, well, the, the protein powders that I have at the moment, maybe there's something better, and spotted Radix. And did all my homework on it. Got hold of Leighton, the boys here, said, I'm coming up to see you. You know, I'm not going to do buy over line, I need it. And we'd come up here and I met Mike and the boys. Everybody went through the factory, saw how everything was made, so impressed at it and thought, 
this is the go, this is the go. And from there on, we're locked and loaded. Yeah, and um, I think they deserve like a hat tip for taking you on. I mean, yeah, um, yeah they're they're a, they're, they're a start up company. They're doing great things. Um, for them to like get behind, um, you know, old shorty from Taranaki when they they could be looking at someone like a Hayden Wild. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I, I was a bit um, flabbergasted and, and gobsmacked by it because who wants to take on a seventy year old? No one, <laughs> no one is going to because he eats, drinks, or wears this is going to buy that product. Yeah, they need the Hayden Wild. You know, yeah, they need you know your Ryan Foxes are your golf. They need your top men, yeah. you know, your top sports players. The ones that are getting all the, uh, you know, the six o'clock news coverage. Yeah, that's dead right. Yeah. You know? No, I think, that, I think their heart's in a really good place and uh, yeah. they, they just yeah, love supporting um, yeah, good people. They do. And, and it's, you know, it's, just, it's blowing me away. Their, their ongoing sport's incredible. Mm. Now, how are you finding, um, how are you, what's your experience like with ageing? Like, do you experience ageism at all? Yeah, slowly it's getting creeping up on me beforehand I denied it in a different way thinking because I was getting faster each year 50, 55 and 60 I was maintaining my speed I was winning more races I was climbing that world ladder and I was getting better and better defying logic but I do think now at um, 70 that the wheel for speed and time is and and what I want to achieve is slowly starting to go back the other way but I'm still very competitive Mm. it's just that I don't expect to hold uh, the race pace and effort when I was a 65-year-old compared to a 70, whereas when I was 50, I expected to better that when I was mm, 55. Yeah. When I was 55, I bettered it when I was 60. I always bettered things, but I do think the clock finally got to the top, and it's time now to say, hoi, it's going to slowly come back, accept that, work with what you've got, mm. and still drive. As long as you're doing better than the other old dogs in the same age group, yeah. right? You're, you're very similar to my mum in a lot of ways. You're exactly <laughs> the same age. She's 71, and uh, we went to Boston recently to do the, the Boston Marathon. It was her last wow. six of the World Marathon Majors. Oh, yeah. And she's, um, I think she did like 4.52, 4.55, and she's like, she she gets angry at her time slowing down, and she's like she's like, if, when I run one over five hours, I'm going to have to stop. It's just embarrassing. And I'm like, no, you, you're you're in your seventies. You're out there doing it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah. How many how many people in their seventies are running marathons? Exactly, and that's what I yeah. say. You know, I'm I, I do. I get frustrated because I'm not pushing the same hundred meter times in the water. I'm not pushing the same wattage on the bike. I get pissed off because my wattage is dropping mm. down and my run times are slowly coming back. But hey, that's reality, and it's going to set in one day. Whether it sets in when you're 70 or 90, it's going to set in. So you accept it, and you say, hey, this, this is the benchmark now. So now I've set new benchmarks. And mm. I say, each year you're going to try and hold it, but be realistic that it's slowly going to come back. Yeah. And what about the treatment from, from other people? Because um, you know, you're, you're 71 years old. Um, physically, you're in sensational shape. <laughs> um, you eat well. You look good. Um, do, do people... Yeah, what sort of comments do you get from from younger people? Do you yeah, think I do. I, <coughs> sorry, yeah, I do. I do get a lot of comments, yeah. a lot of positive comments, especially from um, mates who are around the 60, 65 group. You know, uh, old workmates because I'm now retired are still saying they can't believe it. You know, you you shouldn't be doing this. You, like you said, you should be parked up with your pipe and your baked beans and your slippers. Um, but that's that's what drives me on, yeah. you know, is, is I'm so determined. And, you know, why not? Someone's got to do a triathlon when they're 100 years old. Someone has to do it. Mm. Why can't it be me? Yeah. Why do I have to stop Fergan triathlons because I'm 70 and people want me to retire? <laughs> Jam it up your ass. I ain't going to do it. You're talking to the wrong person. You go down the road yeah. and talk to the other fella. He'll, yeah. he'll, he'll, he'll park up. Yeah. But don't tell Shorty Clark to park up because guess what? He's going to drive a nail into your head and he's going to go harder. Yeah, I, I really like that. <laughs> my um, my, my, my uh, grandfather on my mum's side, he was a school principal. He retired at the age of 60 and then mm. um, he just like played bowls and yeah. drunk more and he was dead in his like, mid-70s. Yeah. He basically like drunk and smoked himself to an early grave. Yeah. There's a saying I really like. It's, um, it goes... Um, uh, hard choice, easy life, easy choice, hard life. Mm. And um, I like that. And I think yeah. you're, you're the epitome of that. Like you're, you're making yeah. all these hard decisions, but it's making your life more valuable, more yeah. rich and more rewarding. Yeah, it is. And that's just it, you know, and and I want to see all my family around, when my grandkids are growing up. I just, I just want to see them growing up 
you know, I don't want to see them put me underneath too early. You know, it's mm. uh, there's so much to learn and so much to gain. And with modern science, modern training techniques, modern foods, better nutrition, you actually keep your body in good condition. If you, it's all people have to do is just it's what you eat, yeah, keeps you alive. So if you eat the best of the best, then you're going to live for a while. Mm. But if you wander down to Macca's occasionally and wander down to a lot of other takeaway places and eat junk food, then you're putting another nail in the coffin. Yeah. Have you had any health scares over the years? No, nothing. No, not lucky, eh? Yeah, but just been lucky. And um, I think now that the nutrition has been so strong since I was 45 and I'm winding it up better and better that I don't expect to have any form of a health scare. I'd be pretty disappointed if something come up um, to say that, you know, your, your ticker's not ticking right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, your, or your brain's fading away. And I, and I do yearly health checks, staunch on them, yearly blood checks, which um, just popping that in too. I had that a month ago and I noticed um, my blood count, protein side of things, nutrition side of things, had finally jumped up mm. due to Radix Nutrition. Mm. Good quality protein. You know, it just makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what what do you have from Radix? You have the, uh, the yeah, like protein shake daily. Yeah, protein shake daily and the recovery smoothies daily. Yeah. yeah right. So just, um, always after training, um, I have um, pure sports um, for my carbohydrate uh, in a drink bottle, but um, for my after, afterwards and all my recovery. Um, and through the day or early evening is always my Radux product. That fuels me for the next day. Yeah. Have you tried um, many of their freeze-dried meals? No, not yet. I'm, oh, mate. I'll yeah. tell you what. So their, their like new breakfast range in particular, yeah. Yeah. first of all, the flavours are amazing. Yeah. Um, but you, you have one of them before a morning morning run or a morning race or whatever, and it gives you all the uh, calories you need, everything you yeah. need, and it doesn't you know, fill you up or make you feel too weighty or anything. Worth a go. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been a bit reluctant to cross the fence because I'm so staunch <laughs> on what I have at 1.30. Oh, yeah, oh, if it ain't broke, if yeah, it ain't broke, don't yeah, try to fix it. Uh, dead right, you know, and yeah. I, I make my own broth, and that's been a big key to my healthiness. I boil up all the bones, beef and sheep bones. One of the boys is on a farm, so we get farm meat, so all the bones go in, chicken bones go in, and we boil up a broth for three days, and, you know, um, it's a long story, but that goes into my my brunch as I call it every day mm. and it's got the best of chondroitin and, and other additives in there that you naturally get from farm animals so mm. it's a good point so I'm pretty pretty staunch on my uh, breakfast lunch yeah good on you and do, do, do you go out for many meals with friends or anything like that well, you, must, you must be a pain in the ass at restaurants yeah I actually don't go to restaurants <laughs> I don't go to restaurants and the classic was um, when, when one of my daughters got married a few years ago it, it, I took my own um, meal to the wedding and my own oh, I, God. my own ice cream container and we're on the bridal table and, and I got a caning from the, some of the family and it was a fair di- di- Fair, good hiding from them for doing that. But yeah. my daughter got married said, Dad, you bring your rubbish, as we call it. You put it on the table and you eat it. You don't have to eat our wedding food. We know how dedicated you are. Yeah. The rest of the family didn't see it, so it was a bit of a domestic there that day. I, I think that, that that's cool, though. Everyone has their quirks. <laughs> you're, not, you're not harming anyone else. No. You're, not creating, you're, not, you're not being a pain in the ass. Like, yeah. You're bringing your own meal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah leave Shorty alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm very much a salad man. A lot of, a lot of greens, a lot of salads. Um, sometimes seven days a week is, you know, month in and month out. It doesn't phase me. I don't need variety because... The wheel ain't broke. Yeah. I'm not fixing it. Oh, it's definitely not broke. 100% it isn't. Um, where does your like mental toughness and resilience come from, do you think? I, I think them knowing that the early years was just a, a bit of a nobody, you know, I just uh, just an ordinary guy, you know, a typical Kiwi bloke, rugby racing a beer, no success, no nothing. And always wondered that if I could step outside that square and have a bit of success, I wonder what it would be like. Mm. And I, triathlon gave me that. Step me outside and blessed with great coaches and nutritionists and other people around me to slowly advance up the ladder and and that just drove me harder and harder knowing that my previous life for want of a word was very ordinary you know yeah. and proving that I'm not a flash in the pan you know I'm not just a bloke that wins a Masters golf tournament one day and you never hear about him again yeah you know and there's so many athletes I think we find that do so well but then you never hear about them. Yeah, you know, and and, yeah, and 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 I'm not knocking all blacks or anything, but quite often we only get one an all black for once or twice, and we never hear about them. Yeah, 
that's the thing. You, th- you yeah, think about yeah. how many All Blacks actually become like household names or yeah. great All Blacks or whatever. Yeah. And there's a, there's, a, yeah, there's a lot that just do one yeah. test or one one little uh, tour and that's yeah. the end of it. And that's it, you know. Yeah. And, I, and, and that's always in the back of my mind. I, yeah. I class myself as an All Black, but I want to be a great All Black. Mm. You know, so I'm a triathlete, and I want to be a great triathlete, not just a triathlete. Yeah. And that's what drives me. You know, is to being a great triathlete. And I'm, as I said to everybody in my local press. Um, after du- RB Dubai, I've done my 25 year apprenticeship. As a <laughs> Bloody tri- long apprenticeship. <laughs> as a triathlete. I'm, I'm, I'm now a journeyman. I'm now indentured. I'm now qualified. Now I want to enjoy it. Yeah. And, and now I want to start. I, I, I hear you saying that, but I don't know if I necessarily believe it. I feel like you. you you say that, but you know that you're still learning and yeah. you're still evolving, and you, that apprenticeship is still going in a way. Yeah, it is. In, in the back of my mind, it's going, but yeah, it, for sure. it's, it's nice to knock off a lot of the boxes that I couldn't tick off. A, I couldn't couldn't swim. B, I was a pretty average cyclist, and C, I was a bit of a clunky runner. So I sort of ticked them boxes. So, yeah. so the apprenticeships have been done. So now I've got to, I've got to get my advanced trade, mm. which means I've got to get smart. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to be faster and more efficient when I swim, more efficient when I get my wattage out, and more efficient when I run with regard to my cadence, mm. my leg speed. Yeah, I think it's insp- inspirational. It's still having mm. this sort of like um, this drive and hunger. Yeah. Um, in your 70s, it's bloody great, mate. Yeah, I mean... It's you've, cool. You've got to be a little bit geeky too you've got to understand the technical side of sport and I don't think a lot of people when they get to 70 want to get technical it's the wrong time of the year to get you want to be technical when you're 20 and 25 not when you're 70 75 well I've gone the other way around it's taken me a fair while to evolve and and you know get get the get the mindset of a 25 year old uh, technically speaking and then transfer it into a 70 year old plus body yeah and when you when you talk about um the you know the first part of your life and being a nobody what do, what do you mean exactly do you mean like the first 40 years yeah i'd say, say yeah yeah i'd say first 40 to 45 years mm. probably 45 years would be more accurate you know um couldn't couldn't make a you know a, a, a good rugby team i was always in the, the bottom of the grade you know if there were four grades i was in the fourth grade mm. you know same with senior rugby would never qualify senior a b or C, I was always in the D grade. Uh, in yachting, if it was A, B, C, D, here I am out with the D graders going for it, having a good time, but just couldn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, just, you just know. couldn't, didn't find your thing. No, couldn't find my groove, couldn't find my thing, yeah. but loved my sport, loved mm. it. Loved rugby, loved yachting, loved indoor cricket, loved having a go at different sports and um, mm. Basketball, netball, you know. Yeah, basketball. Yeah. Shorty. Yeah. <laughs> never never see someone in the NBA called Shorty. <laughs> I never got offered a contract. Always yeah. wondered. Well, I, I, I find this really inspiring. I, I, I had a guy on the podcast last year called Garth Barfoot. Do you know Garth? Like, he's in his Very late, well. Very la, well. Late 80s. And he yeah. he was always um, similar to you, I guess. Like a real estate family, Barfoot yeah. and Thompson, obviously. And yeah. um, they used to sponsor Round the Bays. So in his late 40s, early 50s, had run Round the Bays, which is like eight kilometers. Yeah. And then he, he took to triathlon, I think, in his in his 50s. Mm. Um, and then he's done Ironman and stuff. I yeah. think he did his last Ironman in his early 80s. And yeah. that's like... What I find about you and you know the Garths of the world is yeah. anyone that's sitting listening to this in their forties or thirties or even fifties, whatever, yeah. it's never too late to start something new, and it's never too late to uh, finish this chapter of your life and start a new one. Yeah, exactly. And I think probably if we go back a generation, you were old if you were thirty doing sport. You were looked at sideways. Yeah. You weren't supposed to do sport over thirty, whether it be netball, rugby, cricket, soccer, didn't matter. Then it got out to thirty-five, and now we're finding the world slowly accepting forty-year-old sportsmen in a sort of elite type of sport, whatever it may be. So we've got some of our super rugby players into yeah. their mid-thirties and now taking up contracts overseas. Mm. You wouldn't do that fifteen, twenty years no. ago. There's no way you were finished. So and whether it be um, a cricketer, uh, a basketballer, or, or a rugby player, or a league player, or an elite sportsman, we're now extending that lifespan is getting longer till the 40s, maybe. Mm. So um, sport is starting to drift out. People are nutritionally better, more healthy, and, and finding the benefits of doing it so they're able to extend their sporting careers and life further down the track. Mm-hmm. And that's what I look at. I only started when I was 45, so I, to me that's like I'm a 20-year-old. So I'm 25 years behind the rest of my mates. They've been bashing their heads in since they were 20. Mm-hmm. I didn't start until I was 45. 
I've got 25 years of catching up before I get stale. <laughs> so that's going to take me from today to about 96 years old. Yeah, how, how, many, how, many more, um, how many more years do you reckon you've got? How many more good years do you think you've got left? I think I've got at least 15, mate, at least. I'd be disappointed if I come 85, when I'm racing to the 85 to 89, that I wasn't still competitive. Mm. You know, and I always I tell my kids and tell everybody, um, someone has to be 100 when they've got to do a triathlon. Has to be done. Mm. Just like they said, they wouldn't break the four-minute mile. Roger Bannister had to do it. Yeah, from yeah. memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bannister first, and then um, yeah. our, our John Walker. He ended up doing it a hundred times. Yeah, you know. So once it's once it's broken, uh, yeah. it sort of redefines what's possible in terms of human limitations. Yeah, the the hundred meters, ten seconds. Who was mm. going to go under the make the nine point nine? Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, who was going to break these records, Ironman records, the fastest times in the sport? It doesn't matter. So I look at it. Hey, that's my challenge. Big one and zero zero. Somebody has to have a name alongside that. Mm. By Jesus, if it ain't Shorty Clark, I'm going to be a bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you, you, you've got a bit, you mentioned before you've got a big family uh, from your two. How many kids have you got? I've got seven. Seven children. What, that's what? That, that's all I can remember. <laughs> yeah, from those um, rugby club room days, maybe there's a couple of little shorties lurking around somewhere, but we won't go there. <laughs> um, what's the age range of your seven? Uh, the oldest is fifty-one, and the youngest is twenty-six. Are they all are they all active? They, they yeah, do... they're all active. They're all active. Pretty sporty. Um, they enjoy things. They would never ever do a triathlon because I've frightened them away from that with my dedication and craziness. <laughs> they have no way will they do a triathlon. They've just seen me, and I think the grandkids grandkids looking at me would not take it up either, knowing the dedication that's got to go in. So, yeah. Yeah, you're quite close to the, all the kids and the yeah. grandkids. Yeah, 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 and close to um, my former wife as well, and she's close to our whole extended family from my side, cousins, um, nieces, nephews, Christmases, birthdays, everyone's together, everyone's in the... In, in, you know, everyone's in, there's no distinction between my former wife and my current wife or, or the kids, everybody's, you know, house on fire. I'm, but it sounds a bit weird, but I'm very lucky to have such a great divorce. <laughs> Oh no! no I, th- I think I think that's good. I mean, the, the the passage of time definitely helps things, doesn't it? But also, yeah, yeah it requires like both people, I, I think, to be you know cooperative and decent and yeah, to does. admit their failings and yeah, it does, and that's a big thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, first to put my hand up, There's no, mm. no problems here. Never shy away from it. I never have shied away from my responsibility, you know, of um, putting my hand up for whatever reason, mm. you know. Yeah. And are you still a work in progress as a person? or you? Yes, definitely. What do, you, what do you want to work on? I just want to work on being a better guy. I do think um, I'm a little harsh, you know, on, <laughs> on, on my outlook. And, and on, uh, yeah, in what way? Uh, I sort of always demand the best, you know. I never take second in anything you do as being, that's okay, you know. I think you should strive to be your best. And we don't know what our best is till we get there. You know, we don't know if we can run 100 metres in 20 seconds or 19 seconds. You've got to go out and do it. You don't know if you can mow the lawns well or not. You don't know if you can be a good cook until you try it. Mm. But whatever reason, and with your family and bringing up kids and grandkids and that, you just don't know where your limit is. I don't know where my limit is in triathlon. Mm. And that's, that's a scary, nice thing because I know we don't have limits. If you set yourself a limit, then you're sort of dragging yourself back down. And I, I don't have a limit. I've still got a lot to learn in life. Yeah. Yeah, well, I like that. I find that incredibly inspiring. Yeah. Um, that here you are, seventy-one, still trying to be the best version of yourself, still yeah. trying to be better than what you were yesterday, oh, still yeah. able to do like an internal stock take and uh, yeah, look look for those areas where you can improve as yeah. an athlete and a person. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think with the the blunders and terrible mistakes that I've made in my previous life, then if you don't look at them and say, "Hey, I need to improve on this," and when you get there, you need to improve better. Because if you don't improve, you stagnate and you slowly slip down that little slope and there's no way I'm going backwards. Yeah. And and I can be forward, you know, I can go forwards. There's so much I can do better. I know I can do better in life, in sport, in just everything. It's just keep chipping away at it, keep chipping away at it. Don't take big chunks out. Just, you know, tick, tick, tick. Climb, I call it a little ladder. Just climb a rung, okay? Climb another rung. There's always another rung above where you think there's no top rung in the ladder that I want to climb to be a better person, okay? And that's, that's just me. 
uh, want to go. And I set a high standard. I set a high standard for my grandkids in, in respect. Um, we haven't got to the sports side because they're too young. They're 10 and 8, 7 and 5 years old. It's pretty young. So we've got to let them do the silly things and, you know, have lots of losses and that before they can become a, a champion like myself. Um, so, but I try and instill in them old-fashioned values that our parents brought us up with, respect, the pleases and the thank yous. And if the job's shitty, you've got to do it because that's how you grow up. You know, and you have to do something you don't like. You do that because there's a reason down the track. You don't do it as a penalty. And I think today's world, we need to teach respect to the current generation, which is sadly lacking. Mm. I reckon that's probably a good place to end it. Yeah. What a great lesson to finish with. Yeah, it's, it's been great, Dom. It's just um, a way that I just sort of view things. Of course, there's going to be the knockers out there that are listening to this, and that's fine. I love the knockers because <laughs> that's what makes me drive me a little bit harder to, yeah. to, to prove them that, that, you know, maybe they shouldn't be knocking it as much. But, yeah, it's just um, me in a nutshell, and rest assured I'm going to be around for a while yet. Shorty Clark, 71-year-old triathlon champion in the 70 to 74 age group and more to come. Hey, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your, uh, your insights and your drive and uh, yeah, just love your work. Yeah, and thank you too, Dom, for giving me the opportunity here and thank you to Radix as well for the sponsorship and support as uh, amongst my other helpers that I have in the background. But no, it's been a great a great little time here and I, I really uh, enthused and fizzing at the bubble to get back home to the knacky and, um, yeah, progress forward up that ladder. Thank you, Dom. There you go, Shorty Clark on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Thank you very much for making it all the way through. Really hope you enjoyed that episode. Quick one before we go, thanks very much to Skin Institute, the sponsors of this episode. Without them, the podcast simply would not be possible, so please support the people who support the podcast. Their website, skininstitute.co.nz, or you can phone them on 0800-SKIN-DR for doctor. That's 0800-754-637, 0800-754-637. 6,000 Kiwis are diagnosed with melanoma every year, and 300 of us will die from it. Skin Institute are these skin cancer experts, so go and see them for a full-body skin check. Once again, thanks for joining me, and I do hope to see you next time on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. 